On the Miller Time Hotline now, I've got an old friend of mine I haven't talked to in quite some time, but he's in Chelsea, Michigan, which is, what, an hour outside of Detroit, I think. Uh, he is the, the guy that runs the Sheepdogs Mind podcast that I've shared more than once on social media. Mm. He is a uh, former U.S. Air Force law enforcement specialist, canine handler, police officer, which is where I met him. He was a police officer for uh, Canton Township and uh, in Michigan. And now he is a limited licensed professional counselor specializing specializing really in post-traumatic <laughs> stress in our first responder heroes. Please welcome to the program, Mr. Todd Cook. How are you, sir? Hi, Mr. Good. Todd. Are you really his friend, though? I can't believe you as a friend. He doesn't admit. It's true. It's true. We're, we're friends. Yes. Wow. Dustin <laughs> yeah. has one friend. Congratulations, Dustin. Yeah, that, admit, that admits it. You see. So tell me, uh, how does one go from, I mean, you, you, you've gone from being a, a first responder yourself, a police officer, from the Air Force to civilian police services. How do you end up going from there to now a, a counselor? I mean, this is a big change for you. It was. It was a huge change. Um and I think I had just, I can't remember, Dustin, if you were around when I left the department, but I had seen a lot of really bad things. Yeah. Um, I had a friend that was killed. I was there when it, when it happened. Yeah. And um, yeah. two years later, a few of us left the department. I went off to do other things. And then uh, I guess it was six years ago, maybe seven years ago, um, something kept telling me that I needed to help other people that were having the same problems I was. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. I said, instead of doing push-ups or running, um, <laughs> I'm going to do something significant to me. And that was go back to school to get a degree that allowed me to actually help them in a more professional setting. So you're using your past experience along with your current new training that, that, that you've gone through, which teaches you how to, how to relate to people and things. But you're, you're using your past experience. So you have a very unique approach to this, right? Because not many, of the, not many counselors that always deal with the, the types of people that you're dealing with mm-hmm. have this experience. Uh, you've seen some things. You've done some things. I know that the officer that you're talking about that got killed. Um, I remember that, and uh, I remember when you left. I think I was already gone. But uh, it, it's it's that job can be hell, and it can be hell on the person that does it. Uh, everybody thinks, oh, you know, the cops are this and the cops are that, but you don't actually realize those are people with families and they go mm. through things, and uh, and 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 dealing with those things that you have to unpack at the end of every day and go home to your family. Um, and still be a father and still be a husband and still be, you know, yeah. everything else that you are to that family. Yeah. So how does, right. how, how do you, so so you probably recognize things in uh, the men and women that you, you deal with on a one-on-one basis in your office now. You probably see things in them that maybe they don't even see in themselves, right? Well, yeah, sometimes it's, they don't understand why they're acting a certain way or why this is happening to them. Hmm. And coming from a neurological standpoint, I can explain to them what's happening inside their brain and how we can fix what happened, what the chemicals that are occurring, why they're occurring and how we can curb that to, to fix it. Really. I mean, we're never going to make the incidents go away, Mm. but we can make it so that things are more tolerable and they don't have to be as freaked out by say a sound or a noise or a smell that brings them back to a certain place in time. Of course, you're talking about PTSD, which is a huge thing when you're talking about um, uh, people who serve in the military. But they don't; people don't realize that that also becomes a problem for for law enforcement, even paramedics and, and firefighters as well, right? Um, anyone that d- deals with uh, yeah, I, we've got some interference here. I think it's one of the phones. Um, sorry about that. 
So. Anyone who deals with uh, the first responder type of, of, of a job, I mean, you're going to see things. And it's right. going to get to you because you're human, just like everyone else. Um, but just on that, yeah. is, is it is it a is PTSD something that only happens to people that are you know part of you know or people that are first responders, people in the military, those kind of people, or can no. it happen to just like general people? Because I feel like every time a lot of people I know myself definitely when I hear the word PTSD, I always think mm. military. I never actually think it could happen to anyone else, even myself. Mm. No, it can happen. Let's say it can happen to anybody. And what it is, it's it's uh, an injury to the brain caused by the brain itself hmm. from not processing something correctly. Um, the best way I can describe it is your brain just kind of remembers things physically that you didn't realize because of the way the amygdala inside our brain works. Hmm. So you might be, let's say you're chased by a bear running down the street and you don't realize that on the way you smelled some flowers, say. Mm. Now you got away from the bear four or five days later, two months later, a year later, mm. you smell that same smell and your brain says, oh, bear, let's freak out. And sure. there's no reason to because the bear's not there. Wow. That's a really simple it's very explanation. Interesting, hey? It's interesting but how the brain works. works. Wow. Yeah. So so you, you might smell something at the same time that something traumatic happens and it reminds you later if you smell the same thing, even though it's not related. That's very interesting. Mm. And and going back to Lissadi's point, I think you know, I, you answered this that I just wanna I I think that uh, the the fact is it can happen to anyone. You can have anything happen. It doesn't have to be uh, you know, just to what he's saying, it doesn't have to be that you're a first responder or mm. something. Um, but what you do is you you deal with mostly first responders, right? Um, and, and, and this is a service that you're doing that's much needed. I mean, we, we can probably both recall people in that line of work that have gone through some things and come back to work and they're not okay. I'm thinking of one guy right off the top of my head that you might or might not remember. Um, but and, and sometimes it, ma it makes it to the point where they just cannot do the job anymore, right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, I think people worry that they're, when they're in those lines of work that if they have this issue, they can't go back to work. When the reality is sometimes just a break is all that's needed to heal the brain and they can go back to work. Yeah. So it's working with the union's administration and finding a way to keep those people and keep them, keep them able to work. Yesterday, you did an interview yourself on your podcast, which is up and available now. And, and you did uh, this interview based on uh, COVID-19 uh, situations going on now. And, and did she give you any insight as to as what she's facing as a, as a frontline uh, medical person yeah they really she really did she gave me some really good insight into several things one of the questions i had was the medications and how they're working mm -hmm. and i just noticed today some of the things that she mentioned um just came up in a cnn article about this virus and blood clotting and how it's doing something really weird mm -hmm. um so she talked a little bit about that but she talked a lot about the nurses and how they've had to adapt and adjust to a lot of situations that they're not used to. Yeah. So remembering these people are not people that are in the military. They're not first responders, right? Mm -hmm. They're used to a static environment where things are always the same. Yeah. So some of the things they've been able to do and accomplish inside that environment have been really spectacular. And the nurses and the first, the first line fighters against COVID have done some really great things. She also talks about some of the stressors, mm. um, that come along with that and some of those being 
when somebody passes away and not having family there and, mm-hmm. and some of the stressors that they're seeing. And I see that coming out later the same way that I see first responder stress um, manifesting itself in the future for those nurses and doctors. Sure. Crazy. So it, it, right now they've actually, in a way, become first responders and they're, they're, being, they're being forced to get into roles that they were not necessarily looking to do, right? And I mean, you're not even prepped. You didn't have time to prepare yourself for something like this. Mm. You know, it just happened. And in that moment, you had to respond and mm. do what you need to do, which is quite crazy. Yeah. The for pressure. Sure. And Lissady's mom is a retired nurse as well, so she understands. She mm-hmm. she worked in uh, two different countries here in South Africa and another country, and she she understands that as well. So Lissady's got some of that background uh, knowledge from that, I'm sure. Um, I wanted to kind of transition with you quick, if I can, before we wrap up. The um, yeah. in the news here in in, in South Africa today. Uh, here in Johannesburg, there was um, one or two JMPD, Johannesburg Metro Police Department officers, that uh, alleged that they had not been paid. Um, was it their this? Full salaries. The full The full salaries for, was it April? Yeah. Right? Because on the 25th, most people get paid in mm-hmm. South Africa. And on top of that, they haven't been equipped properly with PPE equipment, right? Mm. Is that what it said? So they were saying, some of them were saying they, they have not been given um, equipment. They mm. are told that they need to go and buy, purchase their own equipment. Mm. And so it's a struggle because what happens if you don't have the money and you're still expected to go out there and work? Yeah. And then on top of that, to make it even worse, there was another one, another officer who said that he was going to have to go along with some of his co-workers and stand in in queues to get um receive food parcels par- food parcels that are meant for the the poor people and the people that don't necessarily uh, have the ability to go out and purchase food right now during this time and not even poor people but even some working people who haven't got a salary this month because they're they're freelancers or whatever uh for right. whatever reason they're not able to go to the local pick and pay or the 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 local shop right checkers or what you know spar and get their food um, can you imagine what kind of a toll, I'm sure you can, that can take on, a, on someone who's already dealing with a stressful job on top of the COVID-19, on top of and, and, and. Do you, what advice would you give uh, an officer dealing with something like that? Oh, man. I would say first take a breath, right? Yeah. Like find help somewhere else, come up with a plan. So have an active coping skill of having a plan. Most mm. police officers are good with plans mm. for, for bad situations but not their own. Mm. So you, they'll have to twist it a little bit, come up with an active plan on how you're going to feed your family so you can relieve that stress. And it and it's, it might be asking somebody for help, which, as you know, can be really difficult for these guys to do. Yeah. They're really self-sufficient. They're hard chargers. They like to take care of their own, and they don't like to ask for help. Yeah. Mm. The first thing I would say is come up with a plan and ask for help, mm. knowing that at some point in the future – you're going to be paid. I don't know how South Africa works with their pay, but you should be paid. Mm. Um, What's that going to look like? But I think it's okay to ask the people that you're helping for their help sometimes too. And that can be difficult to do, Mm. but an active plan, come up with a plan and ask. For me, that's the biggest thing is ask somebody to help you. And in here, Right now, I don't know if you've seen, Dustin, but a lot of people are helping a lot of the first responders. They're donating PPE. They're making gowns. They're making Mm. masks. They're doing those kind of things that it's what they can do, right? They're sitting at home doing nothing. So they're they're finding ways to help those people that need the help right now. And and some of it is feeding people. I know 
we've dropped off meals. Other people have dropped off meals. We, yeah. we know the people that need it. Yeah. And everybody's kind of stepping up and doing what they can. So for your other population out there, understand that these, these folks, these frontline people need help and step up and help them because they're going to need it. Yeah, for sure. That's just, I mean, it, it's, it's an insane time and it's pushing us to our limits and our boundaries and we just need to uh, adapt and overcome together because uh, these are the people we rely on. When you call one zero triple one, you want the cops and they come. Uh, you expect them to come and do whatever is needed and then when they need help, it just seems like there's no one. Like, mm. who, who do the police right. call when the police need help? That's scary. Mm. Right. Todd Cook, uh, counselor, thank you very much, sir, for uh, for coming. Your your podcast, you want to give out that information, if uh, especially for first responders, whether you're a firefighter, a policeman, a paramedic, or anybody on the, fir- on the front lines. Um, his podcast is called Sheepdog's Mind, and I'll post the link to it. Uh, you've got several up there, and you cover a variety of topics uh, from, uh, you know, what to do with your family, how to not take w- things home from work, right? Uh, all yep. kinds of things. I saw, I forget the one I, I was listening to the week before last. It was really great. You were interviewing someone, um, but I absorb so much media every day you know it's hard for me to remember but anyway it's all there so you want to listen to these things and just put some headphones on and just enjoy if you're if you're working and you're listening in your patrol car wherever you are um you know if you've got a chance to to listen listen to these things and uh you know these are coming from a guy who's done the job right so i mean it's it's not just somebody who sits in an office who's got a degree and pretends to know he knows he's done it and i know this guy i know he's done it because i've seen him do it and uh, you don't miss those late nights out there on patrol in those uh, Jeep Cherokees at 2 a.m. Uh, sitting out there on Ford Road waiting for the speeders to come by, do you? No, I, I miss working a dog and chasing bad guys with a mm. dog, Dustin. But beyond that, nope, I don't miss it. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's one thing I'd say. Uh, you know, you uh, there there were two canine guys when I was there. It was uh, it was you, and uh, the, was it Matt, right? Yeah, Matt Jenkinson. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, you guys were, were 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 pretty tight, and you guys always trained together and stuff. But uh, you worked on our side of the the, the the shifts, and he was on the other side. And uh, you guys hustled. You you worked pretty hard, but you enjoyed what you did. You were good at it. And did you handle a dog in the Air Force? I did. Yeah, uh, I handled a bomb dog. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, just out of interest, sake, yeah. what, where does the name for the podcast come from? Can you just tell me a little bit about so that. So the sheep dog's mind. The Sheepdog's Mind, Lasady, comes from a guy wrote a book um, called On Killing, and he was one of the first, Lieutenant Dave Grossman is the guy that wrote the book, mm. and he wrote it after Columbine, wow. and he wrote it about, about what he called sheepdogs, and those are the people that protect the population, mm. and I've taken that concept and changed it a little bit because I believe that sheepdogs are not just the cops and firefighters and military personnel, but I believe the sheepdog is the person that would put themselves in harm's way for somebody else, Mm. regardless of if they carry a gun or a badge. Mm. So that person that is willing to step up and and put themselves in harm's way for someone else Mm. is a sheepdog in my mind. Yeah. And those are the, those are the people that the podcast is geared towards first responders. Yes, absolutely. Military firefighters, nurses, all those people, but even the guy that's willing to help pull somebody out of an accident rack that puts himself in danger. Hmm. Wow. In my mind, that's a sheepdog. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's yeah. a brilliant name. And it, and it, and it's, it's, uh, look, 
Uh, you're doing a great service out there. Have you gotten uh, any great feedback from any first responders maybe that you don't necessarily know? Maybe they're from another part of the country or even another country since they've listened to your podcast? I have from other from a couple of other states. Mm-hmm. I've had a few people call and ask me to come and speak and, and do some things like that. Yeah, Dustin. It's Very good. good. Well, I wish you the best, and uh, please come back and talk to us again, hey? Um, I'd love to. All right. Todd Cook on Miller Time. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lucidi. Thanks, Dustin.